Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, back from the holidays, as always, with Mark Mach. Yeah, we're a day late doing a podcast, and you've been uh, making a bit of a habit of being late lately, haven't you? Well, I thought you had it all <laughs> all in hand. You said, oh, yeah, we'll record stuff for players. Well, we might even have some guests on. I was like, oh, we'll, you know, we'll sort all this. And then uh, the next thing I know, I'm getting tweets left, right and centre. Where's the podcast, lads? Well, when I said about being late, I wasn't talking about the podcast. I was talking about you nearly missing your plane to go on holiday. Ah, oh, right, OK. You're, not, you're never going to let me hear the end of this, are you? No. <laughs> Who goes on holiday without the ticket? Well, it wasn't my responsibility, <laughs> let's just say. Anyway, the listeners don't want to hear about your stupidity, do they? They want to hear about Everton. Well, they're going to hear a lot about probably, stupidity. <laughs> yeah, and they probably, when we start talking about Everton, they're probably going to wish they were listening about our daily lives rather than Everton lately. We're surprisingly chipper, aren't we? Considering that the week we've had, well, the last couple of days we've had. Yeah, I think I'm resigned to what's going on at the moment. Yeah, um, That's how I would describe my Davina. The uh, first of all, we'll 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 start. We've got a couple of games to cover, so we'll start as we always do, looking back at those. And the first one was uh, was a thrilling encounter up at Sunderland, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was. I'm trying to work out whether I can't really remember anything about this game, even though it was only a week ago ago. And I'm trying to think whether that was just because a lot's happened in the last week, or whether that's because nothing happened in the game. And I think it was the latter. It was a very mundane game. It was quite poor, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the start in 11, uh, Naismith kept his place, uh, Delafeo came in and Osman uh, kept his place, didn't he? So, uh, obviously, Lukaku up top and the what's now become the, the, the new uh, consistent back five with Stones in for, for Jags in the normal back five and um, Macker and Barry. Um, and I, I don't know. It, 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 I, don't, I just don't think Delafeo is up up for starting but uh, the TV uh, experts seem to disagree I mean to be fair to the lads when the the game started uh, in the first sort of 10 or 15 minutes he did actually look like our liveliest of players I would say our most threatening player and he got the ball a little bit he did his usual you know hugged the touchline couple of runs that didn't really lead to anything but at that time in the game, nobody else was, was I suppose. providing anything. So he looked as if he could possibly be the danger man. Um, it didn't work out that way. Well, I suppose it did, really, didn't it? Because the goal came from him. Kind it, of. It did. I mean, but it was a good bit of play, good bit of burst of pace. Yeah. I mean, but at this point, I was screaming for him to be taken off because generally through the game, I thought he was he was, he was was terrible. I thought he was so wasteful, no end product. Um but luckily, uh, we had uh, a little fox in the box, didn't we, in Wes Brown to, to slot Trade one home for the Blues? Finishing in the near post, yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, to, uh, to give Delafeo credit, I thought that was an excellent burst of pace because I thought Alonso looked quite good for them. Um, so he did well to just get that little uh, good bit of strength and pace to burst past him. And then, you know, he, he, he 
it wasn't the best cross in the world. It was just cut back and uh, just went in off Brown, didn't it? It did. I mean, the first half itself was, was, was dour, wasn't it? Stephen A. Smith had a couple of chances, didn't he? One way he saw it. was a, a great turn, that was A good it? little play in the box, nice little turn. Snatched down uh, it. Snatched down it and fired it, fired it over. Um, other than that, there wasn't really much to talk about at all. No, you can tell it wasn't because we just skipped straight to the goal. <laughs> well, I mean, we're flying through this because obviously you're going to talk about probably the Palace game in a little bit more detail with it being more fresh in the memory. But I think even if we were doing a full podcast recap on it, we'd be struggling to fill the usual sort of 20 minutes or so that we usually fill at the start of the podcast. Uh, bright points again, probably uh, Tim Howard played all right, John Stones, Distan. Anyone else? No, the the usual suspects. I mean, when I was watching it on a stream from Satanta Island, and uh, Matty Holland, you remember him? Yeah. Uh, he was doing the, the co-commentary, and when he gave Man of the Match to Delafeu, I nearly I nearly choked, honestly. Um, you know, for me, it was probably John Stones again. Looked solid. Yeah. Good distribution again. A couple of little bursts forward. Um, you know, he's rapidly becoming man of the match virtually every game at the moment, isn't he, Stonesy? But, uh, yeah, I mean, Delafeu, just so disappointing. I don't know, I think you've been a little bit harsh on him. His end product wasn't always there, but he probably was our most dangerous what? player, our most exciting player, wasn't he? You think I'd be an harsh on him now? Wait till we get to the recap oh, well, of the Crystal Palace game. Well, you know, that's a different matter. That's a different matter. And I, I think I think he uh, can offer... Uh, as a substitute, but I, I don't think ten minutes and five minutes even there is enough for him to get. He, he needs to get his, you know. So I think he needs a full half hour as a sub. Um, with, but uh, as I, as I say, his his bit of play led to the the winner. So it did, uh, and again the second half sort of followed the same sort of pattern. Uh, Sunderland came into the game quite a bit more, I would say, in the second half, and towards the end of the second half, last ten fifteen minutes, it got. Quite tense, didn't it? We were under quite a bit of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they had, they had quite a fair few corners. Uh, I mean, the, the only real chance that we had, apart from the, you know the, the the goal, which wasn't really even a chance, was uh, when there was a ball played forward and Minone came out and edited the ball, didn't it? And it dropped to Naismith. He, he you know he, he kind of read it well, and it was an open goal, but it wasn't. An easy, easy chance, was it? Yeah, he was. He, he was off balance, wasn't he? he? Was it was at speed? He was trying to sort of direct it towards the goal, but uh, just couldn't get his foot round it properly. Basically, just because of the, the way the balls come to him. Um, so, so the Blues ended up running out one 0 winners in a in not a great performance, as we've said. Um, taken from that game, now, I mean, the, hi- the the basic highlight of that game was that put us fourth. Yeah, um, so it put us in the driving seat in pole position, so to speak, didn't it? It did, uh, with our game in hand to come against Crystal Palace, which was a home banker, yeah. uh, which everyone's been talking about for weeks. Uh, and we were looking like, you know, possibly you know, extending the lead, although Arsenal did play the day before the Tuesday, didn't they, before, before so they we played on the Wednesday. So. Pole position. so it's all been a little bit yo-yo over the last week. Um just a quick one on the Sunderland game. You know, do you think they're down now, Sunderland? Yeah, I think they had know, a great result midweek, didn't they? Two all with City at that. that well, the it just could have been different, couldn't it? If that, that absolute howler from Manoni at the end uh, to you know to let 
uh, was it Nasri that Nasri shot trickle over the line yeah. if they'd have got three points then I think they might have had a chance but no chance I think, I think they're down as well so from the performance last week is there anyone you think we should possibly have a look at in the summer picking up from them it's still strong rumours going around with Colbeck um, no <laughs> Adam Johnson is still one of those players who can provide something yeah he? yeah I suppose yeah yeah, I forgot about him. Um, There's a couple of times where he, you know, he he had to run at us, and he, he he still looks like you know he's got a, a trick about him, and he can beat a man, but he's just too inconsistent for me. Might be, you know, he might be decent in a decent side. You know, he couldn't break through at City, but he might be good in a decent side. Isn't we do like a nice inconsistent winger at Everton, though, don't we? Yes, so uh, which would uh, lead us into uh, having all the midf- all the wingers on the pitch uh, on, in Wednesday's game, which you get to in a sec. But did you watch the? Uh, I, I was in, I, I was in Portugal and I, I, it was on. Um, managed to catch the Arsenal West Ham game, and when they went up. No, I didn't. I didn't see that game. When uh, when Jarvis scored, uh, Giroud had Giroud had had a chance and he missed it. I thought, oh, West Ham going to do us a big favour here, and then yeah, just no chance. <laughs> They just. I mean, they could have had a penalty, which could have put them two 0 up, I think, or two one. Anyway, um, they, they didn't. <laughs> you know, and Arsenal took you know took a force back off us, didn't they? So they we did. had it all to play for again on Wednesday. Yeah, going into the game on Wednesday, obviously, um, dropped back down to fifth, um, and the game a lot of people have been waiting for our home banker against Crystal Palace. Uh, Night time kick off on a Wednesday evening. Uh, full out, sell out, Goodison. Um, everything was set up, you know, for a, a pretty comfortable Everton win. I would say. I I was gutted because it was one because of this because this fixture was rearranged. I'd already said that um, before the, the before the fixture was rearranged. There was this blank space, wasn't it? And you know, the, the job of working, you know, that you can only have certain time. So that that week was it. And the, with the Man U game being put back to the Sunday, that week was a great way, to, great time to get away. So I'd already committed to, to to it, and then they'd go and bloody change that game, put it on that Wednesday. But to be fair, that was still a great time to go away. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. Um, but um, so I managed to uh, catch it in a in a, in a bar in uh, Albufeira in Portugal. It had our game on. It had. <laughs> The City game on, and it had uh, El Clasico on as well, and and, and the telly showing something else as well. So, for, um, was it difficult to concentrate on our game when you wanted to watch El Clasico it, instead? It was because um, there, there was like two two telly showing the Everton game on one side of the bar, and then uh, these two fellas came up and sat under one of those tellies, so they were looking past me. But when they came in, they, we had the two Everton tellies on, and then. They put the commentary of the El Clasico on louder for these two fellas, so it was mad. Every time you didn't know where to look. Every time there was, you know, there was a couple of goals in that game. Obviously, five goals in our game. So any other blues in there? Yeah, quite a few actually. And the barman. I was going to put this out on Facebook, but I, I, I got pissed off in the end. The barman was the absolute spit of Anders Limpar. <laughs> I was trying to. I was, and he's, you he, sure it wasn't Anders Limpar? Well, I was thinking this. He, he owns a bar, doesn't he? And um, but it's probably back in Sweden. Isn't I think it? it's in Sweden somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you never know. We might have uh, franchised out and expanded. I was trying to get a little snap, uh, a cheeky little snap. Um, but it's funny actually. The, the lads, the, the lads who were watching Barcelona, um, 
obviously saw us watching the Everton game and I had my Everton shirt on and he said uh, oh you, you, you're a nice nice club uh, the, the player you have uh, is a Brad, Brad something and I said Ross Barkley and he was saying yes a very good player and um, in, in our hotel um, walked out with me, me, me away Everton shirt on and he heard someone go Romano Lukaku as he walked past me <laughs> so it's, was this a grown man yeah it was right okay <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, that's quite it's quite good to see Everton have that kind of you know you know recognition because uh, you know being away I haven't really heard that you know like from from, from foreigners you know if you, if you see English people abroad you know you have a, you, you, if you see Everton fans you give each other no and kind of nod or you know that kind of it, thing it's always interesting I think when you go on holiday you know there's this whole thing about being a Brit abroad isn't it and wearing football shirts I know yeah. we've gone completely off subject here but I'm going to run with it um, and you, you don't want to fall into that stereotype but I normally take an Everton top with me and, and, and wear it in places and I remember once I, went, I was in Las Vegas and it was, I w- for some reason, I'd gone with my missus, but she was staying in. I think she wasn't feeling well or something. And she doesn't like heights, my missus, so I took the opportunity to go up the top of the Stratosphere Tower on my own. So I went there and I had my Everton top on. And it was quite late at night. It was just about before it was like closing down to the public. And I get up to the top of the Stratosphere up this big lift and I'm walking around, and it's like a big circle you can go around looking at panoramic views around Las Vegas. There wasn't a single other person there, not one person, except for one lad, and he had an Everton top on as well. <laughs> and we both had a little conversation for about 15 minutes about Everton, uh, and then both went down the lift together and said, I've never seen each other again. Yeah, it's mad. He could be, he could be sat uh, in the row in front of us for all you know. Yeah, he could he, be listening to this podcast right now. He could be the host of the Falatonians or something yeah, and saying be, the yeah. exact same story on the podcast. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. There you go. There, there's our uh, traveller's tales. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I saw I, I, I saw the team used as the game was starting. There's not any build-up throughout the day or anything. Right, OK. Um, so, as I said before, there he was, decided to go with all the wingers. He did. And, I mean, you know... I did our usual match day thing. I was in players, and, and up until an hour before the game, I'd not heard anything about McCarthy not starting, for, for instance, which was obviously the, the, the change that probably surprised most people. Um, for the first time this season, we didn't have what you would say probably two recognised defensive-ish holding holder midfields, however you want to look at them. Um, and obviously it looked like Ross was going to drop back into central midfield alongside Gareth Barry, which, which was the case. Uh, and then, as you say, three wingers basically starting in McGeady, Morales and Delafeu uh, behind Lukaku. Um, when I first saw the team, part of me thought, I don't like this. Um, another part of me thought, it's only Crystal Palace. We could absolutely... Dest- it could be like watching Barcelona tonight. We could go out there and destroy them. Um, so I didn't really know how to react to it, I must admit. I mean, what was your initial thoughts on seeing the team? I, I was just gutted there was no McCarthy. That's I thought uh, he's playing with fire. I didn't know that McCarthy was had, had, uh, taking a knock at Sunderland. Um, I thought he was playing with fire. Just He's taking them lightly. Uh, and I was very, very, very surprised. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And... I don't think until the full-time whistle are blown in this game, you know, some Evertonians realise just how important he's become to us. And I think it's now apparent that he's pretty much the most important name on the team sheet. Possibly, In my, yeah, yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, well, another thing, uh, Barkley doesn't work in that position. 
feel a bit harsh on Barkley. I, I've heard a lot of people since this game say Barkley was terrible. I don't think it was terrible, I just don't... I felt a bit sorry for the lad. He, he ran his socks off, he was showing for the ball, but it just wasn't coming off for him. And I don't, I don't, I mean, he hasn't played there in that position this season, has he really? So you can't expect him just to slot straight in, I don't think. No, well, He's got a learner position, he's still learning playing behind the striker, isn't he, really? This is going to be a big dilemma, though, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we, we talked about this, and you, you reckon that uh, when Barry can't play against City, there's going to be Jags there or Stones there and Jags in defence. And uh, I think I, it's got to be that rather than Barkley because I think he just, that's sweeping up, they're sweeping up a play. I just don't think he does. I it. think that's why Martinez did it. I, I know we, McCarthy's had some sort of a knock, but I think he's took the opportunity to think, well, we've got to do without one of them against City. Um, you know, I quite fancy this game against Palace. I think we should win. I'll try and say I'll test somebody out there, and he went for Barkley to test in that position. Mm. Um, I I would seriously not fancy playing City's midfield with Barkley sat in there with with, with Barry. Um, I think we'd get overrun if we got overrun by Crystal Palace. We'd certainly get overrun by Man City. Yeah, I mean, looking at the game, well, I mean, we had so many chances, and they had something like. We didn't have many great chances, though. No, I mean, not great ones, no. But we had so, we had so many efforts. Let's just say, uh, you know, I think. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about overall performances, like when it comes to the end, the end of it. We should just start off with the starting lineup, though. And as we said, it was still a fail out on the right, wasn't it? Uh, and McGeady on the left, and Morales seemed to be in that Barkley position behind. Yeah, um, Lukaku. Lukaku on what? What was his performance like? Uh, well, we talk, we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah, I mean, what I will say is, I think I said after the Arsenal game last week, I said it was one of those perfect sort of storm moments where you know virtually every player had a great game, the crowd was superb, you know, and the atmosphere was great. The manager worked wonders, and everything came right at once. I think for this Palace game. Nobody particularly played well. Robbie made a mistake in his in his uh, his team selection. I'm not criticising him for that because you know he hasn't really done that this season, and you know it happens to everyone. And I don't think the Goodison crowd were great either. I mean, you, obviously you weren't there this week. It was you couldn't hear anything on a telly. No, it didn't. It, the atmosphere didn't start well. Um, and then, obviously, as soon as they scored, it just became very tense. Well, that's uh, you know the Arsenal game. You're trying to lift it, but the, these are the kind of games that, prior to that Arsenal game, have been tense, and the atmosphere the atmosphere has been tense because of it. You know, and so, I mean, the United game is going to be a whole different matter at the weekend, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, the, the game itself. Uh, I mean, it didn't take long before Palace got the break. No, about 20 minutes in, or just yeah, over 20 minutes in? 23 minutes in. 23rd minute, was it? Yeah. And um, a fellow who we said we we should look out for last week, didn't we? Who was punching above his weight. We did, we did. And, you know, I was walking to the ground, um, and, you know, I actually said, I can just see Jason punching scoring tonight, and that being the headline in the paper, punching above his weight, uh, or punch drunk, or one of these stupid headlines. Uh, and lo and behold, uh, 
upsteps Jason Punching with a, a break from, from out wide. It's, well, it was a good bit of play from Balassi, but I, what was Baines doing? He just seemed to try and ease him out, and he got completely well lost. Do you know what it was? And when you were sat there in in the ground, I don't know how this came across on TV, but when you sat there in the ground, you looked at our team, and you looked at the Palace team, and we looked like a team of, of midgets. The Palace team looked bigger, stronger, fitter. And I was sat there and I just could not get my head round how we're, you know, we're pushing for Champions League. We've got something to really play for and to go for. Palace, okay, mathematically, they're not, they, they were not safe you know, on Wednesday night. But you look at the league and you look at the teams below them, the likes of Fulham and Palace, and I don't think there's anyone in the country who'd probably say Palace are still going to go down. For all intents and purposes, they were safe going into that game. And yet Palace still seemed to want it twice as much as we did. And it was instances like that where, you know, people like Balassi and Pudgett. Balassi, I've seen Palace play a few times this season. And in every game I've seen, Balassi's been hauled off. for, And he, he's not struck me at all. I know he had a great season in the Championship. But he's not struck me as, as a player who can live up to the Premiership. He looked like a, He looked class against us. He really did. He, 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 direct pace. He had a couple of good efforts on goal as well. Um, from our point of view, I mean, as I say, I thought Baines was disappointing for the goal. Um, I thought McGeady looked bright at points. You know, he, he looked like probably our most uh, our brightest attacking threat. Uh, did you think McGeady, that? Did, yeah, did yeah, they yeah. come across that way on yeah, TV? Yeah. I thought of, he was, I thought he was shocking. He lost the ball every single time he had it. Virtually, I've, I've got to say. In this game, more than any any other game I, 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 I can remember, I must have said, what was that? More than anything else, or what What even was that? <laughs> you know, because the amount of misplaced passes or just crosses which went, just went straight behind or, um, you know, just shots which were just, just completely ridiculous... Or just just really really poor like lazy play, and um, you know that was that that was like the the saying of the day. <laughs> well, it was just what was that? Was, <laughs> yeah. So, do you think Anders Limpar behind the bar in Portugal thinks that's some sort of Everton chant because you were saying that, yeah. it that much? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So as we say, the, the first goal obviously came to Jason Punchin and. Uh, as I say, coming in, breaking from from wide, uh, and that sort of you know got the the Goodson crowd uh, rather tense, uh, and, and and things got worse from there, didn't they? I mean, we went in at half time, one nil down. Um, I need to touch on Delafeu now. Yeah, Delafeu in that first half was terrible. Is he, he his run? His running was was not great. He was just running into dead ends. Is Crossing was shocking. It was like he couldn't lift the ball off the floor. Uh, every single corner he took, you know, didn't beat the first man. It w- he would just had an, a, a bad game. And I'm always, I'm not one of these people who started like knee jerk and saying we should drag people off at half time. I always think you should give them maybe you know 15 minutes to see if uh, you know half time sorts them out and they come out a different player in the second half. Um, I was shouting for Delafeu to go off at half time, and and he did. 
Yeah, uh, I I think that uh, Lukaku seemed to drift over that side quite a lot, and they seemed to be in each other's way a little bit. They were sometimes getting in each Morales, other's way. Sometimes Morales was over there as well, and sometimes they don't seem to want to feed each other. You know, I'm not sure whether it's the, they're all playing for themselves or the mates. If you, but not if you look at McGeady, Morales, uh, Delafeu, and Lukaku, they've all got a certain level of greed, haven't they? And I think that's probably, I would say, two players, too many that are greedy. Def- certainly one. You can't have four greedy players all on the pitch at once, and that's what, what happened, really. Um, so, yeah, we went in 1-0 down at half-time. Did we have any great, good, decent chances in the first half? It was down the park end, away from me, so I can't... No, there was, there, was one cut inside, there was one cut inside from McGeezy and he kind of, uh, it's quite a good, decent effort towards the top corner, but it went, it went over, whistled over a little bit. Also one where he went on the outside and crossed it in and it looked like it was going to loop over Speroni into the far post. Um, yeah. Uh, and there was a couple of little crosses like that, but no real clear cut. Um you know, one-on-one chances or anything like that. Basically, my memories of the first half are that, you know, as I say, Palace just appeared to want it more. They were winning the battle of midfield, which, you know, is a rarity of Goodison these days. It really is. Um, and, you know, they looked very dangerous on the counter-attack. And defensively, they, they seemed like a solid unit as well. Every time we get in our half, there was two banks of four in front of us. And we weren't able to really play through them that often. Yeah, they had the, at the post as well, didn't he? Balassi, little breakaway. Yeah, he, did, yeah. he had an early yeah. shot. It, 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 Tim Howard's near post and came out to, to Jerome, yeah. and um, he, he just he, he knocked it wide. As soon as he said he hasn't scored in eighteen games, the commentators—it's just the commentators' curse, isn't it? He hasn't scored in eighteen games. He's bound to—he's bound to score against Everton because that's what players do. Who haven't scored in eighteen games, they score against Everton to break the duck. Um, exactly. So, but, but I mean that—that that was the third. Um, we haven't talked. We talked about the second yet. We, you, Naismith came on for Delafeo at half time. Yeah, as we say, the change of half time uh, was made quickly. Uh, Naismith came on, um, but very soon after that, uh, the 49th minute, uh, things got even worse for Everton. Just absolutely shocking defending from a corner, and you're going to concede goals like this. But you know, it wasn't even. It was. A free header, but it was right down the middle of the goal, and Tim Howard kind of. Do you know what? Passed him before even that. Do you know what gets me about this, right? Anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm an idiot, right? And knows how limited my football knowledge is. I know that Scott Dan is one of the best headers of the ball in the league. You see him heading every single ball out defensively. You know, he hasn't got much else to his game other than being a great header of the ball. He's very dangerous on set pieces. How is he allowed to get a free header on the ball? Don't know, it's beyond me. And then it comes out, uh, the, the, the man who had to leave Liverpool to get first-team football, Liverpool fan Scott Dan scores to, end, to possibly end Everton's Champions League dream. Just like, I'll oh, just shut up. How, how many more of these things are going to... Who then, did you have on commentary there? I can't remember, you know, I can't... I, I'm, I can't remember who it was. It sounded like it sounded like Gary Neville was the the, 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 the the co-commentator, but I don't think it was. It sounds like him though. Um, anyway, he's just like shut up, cliche. Shut <laughs> up, just stop it. Don't stop trying to tempt these losers into 
you know, into the score, into the score sheet. Who, who set up it? Who swung the cross in? Um, was it? That's me tough questions now. Well, we just talked about it for about five minutes. It's Blassie. Blassie. Right, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Again, it was down the park end. It's difficult for me to see. So, um, yeah, so 2 0 up and uh, you know, fourth spots right out the window, you know, at that time, wasn't it? Things were not looking good at this point. However, what I will say, you know, I've been very negative about the Blues' performance so far today. The one positive I took from this game is at no point did they give up. No. A 2 0 down, Eds could have really gone down. Um, you know, the crowd did pick up a little bit and try and get behind the Blues. The team kept going. Um, and we sort of, we, we reaped the reward to that, didn't we? By uh, by Naismith uh, getting one back for us just on the hour mark. Yeah, it was a uh, good uh, good little bit of play to make up for his, I suppose, his mistake, really, in, in, in not handling uh, the first goal. Uh, Baines did well to knock it back. For Naismith on the line, didn't he? From from Alice's cross. Yeah, he did. Um, did what was he well. doing up there? <laughs> that far up. But it's just at that, that point, he... it was all hands to the pump, wasn't it? Trying to get something out of the game. So and uh, so Spironi's down on the floor after uh, Naismith scores. And I'm like, get up, get up! What are you doing? Until <laughs> when he touched you, and then I showed the replay about five times, and he uh, he dived into uh, <laughs> throat first into Naismith's knee. <laughs> so. Uh, I must admit, though, from from obviously we you know we sit obviously Quite really good. close to the goal here, and and it didn't look like a big impact from where I was sat. Yeah, it looked like right on his Adam's apple. Oh well, yeah. Anyway, I think they, they were saves him right for all the time wasting he was doing. Yeah, well, I think they were milking it, weren't they? Yeah, it's very much so. It was one of those things, wasn't it, where you know Everton wanted to just get the ball down to the middle and start playing while the momentum's with them, uh, and. Palace and Tony Pulis, who's you know very uh, sort of wily at these things, just wanted to hold the game up and take the sting out of it. Talking about stings, did you see the challenge? What Baines uh, got booked for? Yes. So Baines goes in for Edda. Yes. And it wasn't Ma- even a free kick. Mariapa nuts him yeah. in the back of his head as Baines comes across him. Yeah, Baines gets uh, a booking. Mariapa gets a broken nose and has to go off. <laughs> he only got booked there because a lot of players shouted at the ref. Well, that, that shouldn't happen, should it? No, of course it shouldn't. And uh, the the ref was showing the respect that decision deserved from the Gladys Street and the rest of the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't think the ref had a particularly good um, performance, but that's easy to say, isn't it, when your team's just been beat at home, so... Uh, we had a few more chances not long after that. Uh, I think Ma- Mariapa went off. Went off. Uh, had we made further changes by this point? I don't think so. No, I don't. I think it was a, a few minutes later. Right. Um, okay. Uh, we had a decent effort uh, with Morales. Just a little bit. Is this the one where he just flashed it past flashed. the far post? Yeah, yeah. Was it, it was. A, it was a really good effort. That's good, effort. good cross from Bainesy and then good effort from um, from Morales. It's just one of those. Oh, you know, just a little bit lower. Uh, a few subs, I think Osman came on, didn't he? Osman came on, well, it was a double substitution, wasn't it? Osman and McCarthy yeah. came on at the same time for, let's have a think, who was it? Gareth Barry went off. Uh, yeah, but, which was surprising, really, yeah. We yeah. Were, I think everyone was expecting it to probably be uh, Barkley at the time and, and Morales. 
um, but obviously it wasn't, and uh, and we saw Gareth Barry go off. Um, the Blues started to look a lot brighter after the two substitutions. I thought, um, you know, Osman didn't have a particularly great game when he came on, but however, he was showing for the ball and was finding little pockets of space. Sorry, I was wrong there. It was fifty ninth minute. They both came on. Right. Okay. So that's. That kind of coincided with us coming back into the game, yeah. And um, you know, Naismith. So uh, McCarthy didn't look like he was injured, though, did he? No, not when he came on. I thought he looked he looked fine, uh, and he gave us a little bit of bite in midfield and a bit of impetus again. Um, unfortunately, though, uh, just as we thought we were getting back into the game, uh, things well, got we were we were controlling well, we were, the game. Yeah, we were, but things got uh, worse after uh, our mate Cameron Jerome. Turned up seventy third minute, and we find ourselves three one down. That little touch, which he, which like a little cushion, that cushion first touch that he did to kind of sidestep uh, Stones was was a really nice touch to make him give himself a yard of space. But it looked like it seemed to really wrong foot Stones, didn't he? And he he, he stumbled over, um, but it was a nice finish as well, and uh, put Palace three one up. And then, uh, so heads heads did drop then. And then, yeah, heads really did drop. Um, but again. Uh, you know, the Blues never gave it up, did they? Um, and, you know, we were, we were all scratching our heads at this time, looking at the scoreboard, thinking, how are we 3-1 down to Palace? Um, but you'd have to say, you know, Palace would deserve to have something out of the game at that point. Um, a few minutes later, good bit of battling from Morales. You know, ne- not giving something up, a ball had come over. Uh, basically, Bundled it in on the line, didn't he? Did the Kevin? Yeah, well, first on first view, it looked like it was a really good, like good bit of vision and a through ball from Ross Barkley. Um, on second viewing, uh, it looked like he was playing it in towards Naismith, and it took a nick off the defender and bypassed the defence and Naismith. And Morales, as you said, was following it in. Uh, nice little dink around the goalie, and then puts it in on the line. Yeah. Uh, 3-2, has a little battle to get the ball back, still time for the Blues to maybe uh, get a point, save a point. So There's going to be plenty of injury time. Well, yeah, this was and about the 86 minute, and then I think the board went off for six minutes, so there was still, you know, pretty much ten, ten minutes. minutes yeah. and, and Everton sort of dominated, I would say, the last ten minutes or so, and there was one chance in particular where, <sighs> yeah. you know, we'd really penned Palace in, uh, and there was quite a rigid line of defenders. Uh, and, you know, Ross Barkley with the vision, as you say, did a little... Lob chip ball over the top. Somehow Kevin Morales gets in behind the defence, swings at it on the volley, uh, completely airballs it and misses it. The ball bounces, uh, and Morales has a second go of it, and it's sort of on the volley, half volley, uh, and manages to miss it again. I think uh, the other Blues in the bar were, sh- were shouting for the penalty for the penalty there. Like, That's a penalty, um, but it wasn't. It was just, no, it wasn't. No, no chance. Morales just uh, airball, didn't he? He did, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that was to be our final and best opportunity to get the equaliser. And as I say, you know, that equaliser, a point would have put us back into fourth. Um, but it wasn't to be. Not to be, not to be. So, uh, a rare home defeat for Everton. Uh, you know, you look at some of the teams who've beat us at Goodison this season, in Palace and Sunderland, and, you know, six points drop maybe that we should have won, really. But, as I say, you know, I don't want to sit here and I don't want to really criticised the referee although you know I thought some of his decisions were strange I don't want to criticise Palace they came here they did the job they deserved probably what they got 
on reflection, possibly a point probably would have been a mo- the most fair result from well, a neutral a- point of view, I would have thought. But, um, you know, I think Palace came and did a job and, and did what a lot of teams haven't been able to do and, and beat us at Goodison. So, fair play to them. Pulis has worked an absolute miracle there. Uh, and I think a good mention should go to the Palace fans as well, who were brilliant throughout. It's uh, it's a cliche, I know, but it's for them it's the perfect away performance, isn't it? It's like kind of smash and grab, you know, a couple of good goals as well, um, you know, and and they they did, you know, they frustrated the crowd, frustrated, you know, with, you know, when they had to get plays behind the ball, and uh, you know, taking advantage of every stoppage, but you know, that's that's what you got to do when you're battling, especially and when that's especially, what we should have to do, battling. especially when you know. You go into a team in the top four, which is basically what we were at the time. So, you know, all right, we were fifth, but I, if we'd have won that game, we'd have been, we'd have been fourth. So, uh, that's what we used to do when we used to go and play teams who were above us and, and teams who, you know, were technically better. So, as you say, perfect away performance from Palace, disappointing performance from the Blues. Um, you know, it was a head scratcher. It was the Everton way, really, wasn't it? You know, you 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 have such a high. At home to Arsenal, you destroy, you know, a very good team at home. You then go away and have one of these away performances yourself at Sunderland where you don't play well, but you, you snatch it and you come back with three points and you, seven games, 21 points on the, you know, on the spin. You're expecting to be Palace and it's the Everton way, isn't it, really? of One point. Kick, kicking, you when, <laughs> kicking you when you least expect it. One point out of six against Palace. That's not really Champions League kind of... Uh, no, it's not. It's not at all. Um, so, you're saying disappointing. Uh, I think that could be applied to a few of the players. Uh, I think it could think... be applied to virtually every player in a blue shirt on the night. I'm not too sure about that. I mean, you saw that stick that uh, Distanga on Twitter... I can't say I agree. I don't think he would miss. I mean, he was one of our poor performers, really. Well, he wasn't great. He wasn't great, but I don't think he was particularly outstandingly poor compared to compared to anyone else. Um, you know, what was it? Somebody tweeted him saying something along the lines of "You need to jog on. You're not good enough. You you, you give your all. You run. You run your heart out, but you're not good enough." Yeah. And like in a direct know. message to yeah. John, I think Sylvan came back with a bit of a. A jokey, jokey reply to me saying, uh, "I might not be good enough, but I'm the best you can afford." Or so stop whinging, kids. Stop whinging, kids. So fair play to Sylvan for for coming back, but you know, I don't know why people tend to sort of target this Dan because all right, he might have, like any centre half, he might have a bad game in ten. Yeah, um, I I thought uh, as I said before uh, when Baines got caught out for the first goal, that was very very unlikely. Yeah, Baines. And it's just you know one of those blips that we don't really see very often, um, but you know it led to a goal. In, in my opinion, I, you know I think I thought Lukaku was very poor. He, he struggled to control anything that yeah. came to him. He couldn't hold the ball up. There was no interplay with any of the, the other attacking players. Um, he, he didn't offer anything. He seemed, he seemed disinterested in times, which is amazing, really. Well, it, I, I, up until about ten minutes ago, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't seem like he was interested. And then ten minutes left, he kind of sparked into some kind of life. But you know, yeah. it, it was the game was gone. I won't say anything else about Delafeu, but I thought he was our worst player by a million miles. Uh, you know, McGeady, I don't think he really offered us anything. Morales, obviously, you know. When when we had that little bright spell, Morales looked bright then, and obviously he, he scored one of the goals. But 
I thought he was disappointing. I think the problem we had was because of the initial team selection, we didn't, with the exception of Naismith, we didn't really have any way of changing it from the bench, did we? You know, to provide anything going forward. I know we brought McCarthy on and that sparked a bit of life into us, but I mean, from an attacking sense, uh, you know, Osman, yeah, you know, we... Usually we've got the likes of McGeady and Delafeu and, and even Barkley to bring on, haven't we, just to change it up, but we didn't have that this time and I think that, that showed. Yeah, I thought well maybe maybe put Osman in the holding and then push Barkley back up into a more natural position. But well, you know, it's one of them. From a man of the match point of view, um I think you probably you, you know it, the man of the match in the whole game was, was Balassi, as we've said. From an Everton point of view I think again, it's, you're probably looking at John Stones. He had a he had a decent game, even though. But we conceded the three goals, didn't we? So, how do you give it to a centre half? It in in, I mean, in that sense, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm struggling to think of one really. I think maybe it was Stones. I mean, on the ball he looked great, but then you know that as I say for that third goal he slipped. Uh, was he meant to be marking Dan? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know who was meant to be marking Dan for the, the other goal as well. Um, but you know, three two and. Uh, and it's all, and it's we've left it hard for ourselves now. I, you know, as long as as far as Champions League football is looking, um, it's out of our hands now, isn't it? It's going to be difficult. You look at their fixtures. You look at our fixtures. But you know, you, you wouldn't. You certainly wouldn't bet your your life savings on Everton at the moment, would but you? You wouldn't. I don't think the fixtures mean anything. It just goes to show, you know, Palace beat us. Man City drew with Sunderland. You, you can't look at fixture. I, I don't think you can look at easy easy fixtures at this time of the season. No, no. I, I mean, especially this season of all seasons, it's just been the craziest season ever, hasn't it? For me, it's just the fact that it's now not in our hands. I'd prefer it, you know, even I, a one... I like chasing it more, though. You're crazy. It's chasing it. It's then then you, when, when the expectations are off and uh, the pressure's kind of... Uh, not uh, not as great, but when you're in the position and you know, imagine being pipped to it on the last day of the season. Well, I think the club is still confident of European football in a certain sense because uh, the next day uh, after the Palace game, so that would have been yesterday morning, I renewed my season ticket. And one of the questions they asked me when I renewed was, "Did I want the Auto Cup scheme for European games next season?" So the club is certainly confident, uh, and I must be confident because I said yeah. Yeah, well, these are. Um, I remember just a, a few se- a few seasons ago. It was many seasons ago. I think it was when Peter Johnson was chairman. Just you know, so, and the season ticket that came it was in the booklets. Then wasn't the cards, and there were uh, twenty three home game tickets in it. And how many games do you play in the Premier League? This is well, when this is when we were fighting relegation. Well, now you play. At home, you're playing 19. 19, yeah. So there was 23 in it. How many? Uh, how many games do you play in Division One or the Championship? Has it? Oh, right. Okay. 23. So it, 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 it's come a long way. Let's just say, if they you know, they're trying to count the chickens in a positive way rather yeah. than thinking we're going. Yeah, down. I'd rather they were offering you European tickets than Championship tickets, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean, that's the recap of. Disappointing week on the pitch for the Blues, even though we got three points out of six. Um, you know, it's still there to fight for, isn't it? I, I, I think we've got to try and put a positive spin on it. There's four games left to go. 
Um, if we win all four of them, we'll have a great chance. I think if we win three of them, because I think Arsenal is still going to drop points. I'd be surprised if they lost two games out of the four they've got left. But oh, two, let's, two, one, one draw. I think the best way for us to look at it is, you know, 12 points up to play up for grabs. We've got to go all out for 12 points. Um, so, obviously, it's United uh, at home again this Sunday. Uh, a massive game for more than one reason. We'll talk about that as ever in the last segment of the podcast. And we'll be back after this with the news. News! Okay, so we're going to have a look at a bit of the uh, Everton News of the Week. And I didn't even know we were coming back in then. We were just having a little off-air conversation about Californication. And then all of a sudden you press start and start to talk about Everton again. Yeah, like to get the fresh... You know, uh, as it happens, reaction to uh, what's going on. I was nearly about to do an explicit uh, quote of Hank Moody for a minute then, but good job I didn't. Okay. Um, So, first bit of news, I suppose, uh, easiest one to talk about. Tim Howard signed a two-year extension to his contract, which now sees him tied uh, to the club for an extra, well, four years from now. So, his contract expires 2018 which takes him up to the age of 39. Which is pretty much about the age where you don't really want to have a keeper anymore, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. And I I put out on our Facebook today, made up to see that, uh, he's probably been our best, most consistent goalie uh, since Neville Southall. Uh, Yeah, I'd fully agree with that. I think the only... I I did also put, as a side note, our best goalie since Neville Southall was probably Nigel Martin. But... He was only, you know, when he, when he got a season or two out of Nigel Martin, didn't we? I think Tim Howard's probably on a similar sort of to a level to Nigel Martin. I don't think there's much between them, really. You know, goalkeeper's that position, isn't it, where you're always picked up on your mistakes. You're always highlighted by them. And people will have a go at Tim Howard if he makes the odd mistake. But as far, you know, as far as consistency goes, he's a very consistent goalkeeper. And some of the saves he's made this season have been superb. I think... Um, you know, you'll take the odd mistake from goalies. He doesn't make many, but one of the main criticisms of him is he, he doesn't command the box like Neville Southall did. But nobody does. I mean, before he signed this contract this week, there was rumours in some of the papers that Arsenal was sniffing around him. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think people, journalists at the moment just like writing that Arsenal are sniffing around everyone who plays for Everton. That's yeah. Barkley, Stones, Howard, Coleman. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, so that you Lukaku, know, nice bit of news. Uh, something that that uh, you kind of heard uh, a few murmurs about. Uh, Just while we're on the subject of goalkeepers, though, um, yeah, there was also some rumours this week that Seville have made a bid for Joel, uh, somewhere in the region of three to three and a half million. They want him to be their first choice goalkeeper next season. So, possibility there may be some changes in the goalkeeping side of things. Um, if Joel decides, I'm sure if Joel went to Martinez and said, "I'm getting offered first team football here in you know the Spanish league," I fancy it. Well, I don't think he'd stand in his way, do you? I, no, I don't think he would. I, I just hope uh, the Seville fans are uh, of a nervous disposition because <laughs> I don't think he can handle it every time a cross comes in and flapping at it. Could you? Well, true now. You you bumped into him the other week, didn't you? I don't think we talked about that in the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just just walking down uh, Church Street in town, 
And then, uh, and were you were you shopping were you? Yeah, yeah. What was he doing in Poundland? <laughs> <laughs> just church, church Street in town. We have no Poundland. Uh, so just walking down there, uh, and suddenly it goes dark. Do you know why? Because he's about nine foot tall. Yeah, the just, yeah. He blocked out the light because he is that. He's about eight foot, isn't he? I can't say he's ever really struck me as being well, massive neither, when he's neither on the pitch. Well, neither have I, no. Next time he's doing keepy-ups at our time with Big Duncan after they compare height. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, I was going to try and get a, get a little word for the podcast, but he looked like he was a bit on, on, a, on a bit of a mission. So. Uh, and you put that out on Facebook and queued up 20,000 <laughs> smart Alex saying, did he drop his shopping bags, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so, sorry, Joel, if you're listening. Um that news I was just going to touch on before uh, you've heard a few murmurs I've missed obviously I haven't seen any of this obviously because I, I was away uh, but uh, a few whispers around that there's a new stadium uh, yeah, I in, mean, in the works it's still only whispers and we've been whispering about this on the podcast now for a good couple of months haven't we um, <laughs> conflicting reports still again I've heard that you know planning or initial planning or you know I don't even know if it's got to that level some sort of welcoming from the council has been now been granted uh, for Everton to look at building a new stadium at Walton Hall Park, 52,000. Um, but other people are saying they've heard exactly the same thing, but out again up in the docks in town where the old tax building was. Um, so one person's even saying it's going to be built right in the middle of the Albert Dock where Fred, the weatherman's map, used to be, but I think he was, might have been missing the boat. I think he probably was. Um, the thing about this, though, uh, we've had quite a lot of feedback on this uh, on Facebook and, and Twitter people saying that uh, yeah, you heard this rumour months ago and told you so all this kind of stuff and a few other people saying there's no planning permission being applied for as yet but that's not to say that pre-planning per- permission or talks haven't started Planning permission generally tends to take months if not years to, you know, to, to go through fully so I'm sure that things would have been talked about probably you know going back way down the line. Um, apparently, some sort of official statement is imminent, uh, maybe as soon as the start of next week. So I'm thinking we might have a bit of clarification on this, possibly even by the next podcast. Um, so we'll wait and see. I think I've said my personal point of view was I'd prefer Walton Hall Park to the city centre, just for the fact that I think we should stay in Walton. Yeah, a few people have said well, um, we want to be preserving our park our parks and stuff and the green life and stuff like that and um parks should be relocated you can build a park where Goodison is now you know you can you can, you can sort that out the, a lot of people I think think oh we should move to the city centre because you know the stadium will look brilliant on the waterfront and you know when you're seeing panoramic views of the Liverpool waterfront Everton's ground will be there but I just think there's certain disadvantages to being in the city, I think. I think you lose a little bit of identity, you know. You, your whole match day experience would be completely different to what it is now, and I think some Blues aren't really un- get understanding that. Yeah. Um, the next bit of news, uh, just a few... Uh, well, R- Roberto just trying to play down things I think he's come out and said that uh, we must be thankful for the job that David Moyes did he always you know comes out with these classy kind of things and you know he's got he's always positive about everyone 
and he thinks he's going to get uh, a, somewhat of a good reception on Sunday. Roberto's had, you know, quite a classy week really, um, which started off at the Hillsborough Memorial where he gave, you know, an outstanding speech, I suppose you would say, uh, on behalf of Everton Football Club at the, the Memorial at Anfield. So, you know, he, he did the club proud there. Uh, and I think, you know, the one thing we couldn't expect about Roberto is he, he's positive about everything really, isn't he? You know, he, he doesn't like to let negativity creep in. Uh, and I'm sure he's probably, in reality, got different views on how Moyes might be accepted back on Sunday. Um, but, you know, he's just saying saying the right things and giving off the right image that the club should be giving off. Yeah. Um, we were talking a little bit about this before, and you said you, you, you wouldn't uh, boo Moyes. And I, I don't think I... I mean, you know, it depends how... You, you, you might get a little bit of... I said I wasn't going to boo Arteta, but then I did once he started you get kind of, being you, an idiot. You know, if, if, if we're losing the game, games are going our way, we might not boo him, but we might have a little bit of a stuck with Moyes thing song, mightn't we? I just think... If we sort of, if we take the approach of, you know, laughing at them, I think that will play in our hands. But I think if we take the approach of being negative to the point where we're booing United every time you get the ball, I always find that quite motivating for teams. Well, it, didn't, it wasn't motivating for Arsenal, was it? Yeah, but the, there's going to be a, the, the, the level of negativity is going to be higher than the Arsenal game. Okay, Arteta was getting booed by sections of the crowd. There was some negativity there, but there was no particularly. No particular hatred towards like Wenger or or the Arsenal team in general. I think you know United are probably going to get quite a bit of stick. Or uh, you know Fellaini obviously if he plays, and then Moyes in particular. And I just don't want them. I just don't want to give them that sort of backs to the wall mentality. You know where they they really think. Did Fellaini get a bad reception? <laughs> Possibly, I think he will, and I don't really know why, but I just think, yeah, he might do. Yeah, uh, Martin Keown, former Everton legend, not um, is, has he by any chance talked absolute rubbish? He has said that he he would be very surprised if Moyes gets a bad reception. Right, I can't say I'd be very surprised. I mean, I, I wouldn't even be slightly surprised. I hope it's a it's like a banter reception. Yeah. I hope there's no real, you know. Hates the malice towards him because of what he did for us. Yeah, I, well, I just I, hope it's a, it's a banter reception. You know, I'll happily sing stuff with Moyes all day because it's, it's amusing, it's funny. But I just hope there's no real idiot like having a having a proper go at him. The thing is, right? There's still a couple of days to go. You know, their press conference was probably probably six o'clock or something, or it might even be held off till tomorrow. There's still plenty of time for him to stir stuff up, like. The, the reason that all this uh, stick started, which is when he started mouthing off in the press about, you know, about, and he, he really did burn some bridges. So there's still plenty of time to like stick his foot in it a little bit more and stir things up. And maybe that's the, you know, you said about that kind of reaction. If if the crowds are getting on him, it'll kind of, you know, fire his team up. Yeah, and he, like might, he might want that, mightn't he? I love that. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's probably. Do you think it'll be a better atmosphere than Arsenal? I don't know. I don't like the bad-tempered atmosphere. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if it, it, I think it's going to be tense now because of the the, the way the this yeah. Palace game went. Um, whereas the Arsenal game, do you think anyone expected that? I think a lot of people thought we'd beat them, but I don't think they expected 
the level of performance that we put out. This is a very, very different challenge, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we're, yeah, we're, we're kind of crossing over into that. And, yeah, we'll know, get to that yeah, in a we'll minute. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, the other news, uh, Ross Barkley has been included in the shortlist for the PFA Young Player of the Year award. He has. Um, you know, obviously a great accolade for Ross in what you would, I suppose, classes his first real season in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's up there with, I think... Uh, Sterling's been nominated for it. Eden Hazard's been nominated for it. Uh, at the top of my head, I'm trying to think about... Is Lallana in that one or the main player? I think he's in the main player of the year, Lallana, isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, I think he is, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, obviously it's a good list. I was actually fairly surprised that, you know, Ross Barkley got nominated. I would have thought, you know, McCarthy or even John, John Stones. Yeah, but... That's it, it's name value. It is, it is and, and I think the media get hold of these things and they, they, they play people up. I mean, fair play to Ross, he's had, you know, a very, very good season. Yes, he has. Um, I think this, the season's end is just coming a little bit too quickly for Stones to be in there. I think three months more of the season. Yeah, I think if, season, if, if John Stones had played all season, you know, at centre-half, then I think... Without a doubt, he'd be going to World Cup and, and he'd be getting talked about in, in these sort of circles. Um, he only really started playing. Was it about Christmas time he started? Or was it even later I than that? I think he, well, he, he was covering it right back for a while, wasn't he? Well, which, but, wasn't which we well. know didn't go particularly to plan. But um, for me, I think James McCarthy's been twice the player Ross Barkley's been this season. And, you know, he qualifies for that award. I so think, uh, I think James McCarthy deserves to be nominated for Young Player of the Year. More than Ross it's just hi- it's, it's it's highlights, isn't it? James McCarthy will make what twenty challenges at tackles a game, and Ross Barkley will score a goal. You know, he's got we have six or seven goals this season. You know, those tackles don't make highlight reels. Yeah, of course. And with regards to the full player of the season, you know, it's the likes of Sturridge and Suarez and I don't know Aguero and you know Torre, all the usuals. I don't think there's a single defender nominated in that category. Really? From, I don't think so. I mean, I could be, be checking this, really. Um, I think if there was, the year. I think if there was, then it would have been... Seamus must have been so close to getting a nomination for that award. As far as, if, you know, as far as defenders go, he's been the best defender in the Premier League. Well, you're going to get them clowns over the park arguing now because Skirtle's got seven goals. No. I know, but that's, you know, that's it. You know. Uh, well, team of the season... I would be very surprised if there's a right-back ahead of uh, Coleman. Well, there won't. Uh, there can't be. Well, I mean, I'd just be surprised. I suppose you could say his closest rival is going to be Zabaleta, isn't it? If, if City don't win the Premier League, then I can't see Zabaleta being in centre-back. Well, Altovanovic, even if you know, he's been playing centre-back a lot as well. No, for me, it's still Coleman. I think Coleman's a shoe-in for the team of the season. Okay, uh, Maka, uh, James McCarthy, we talked about a little bit there. Is uh, he's meant to be past fit, so we'll talk a little bit more about him again at the, on the Man U preview. We have been linked, uh, usual transfer gossip. I can't remember which club he's from now after all this. We were looking at all this before. I remember he had cool hair. Benjamin Stambouli. That's quite a cool name as well. Uh, apparently, he was a young, young centre-back uh, or young, young defender. Uh, and he is apparently on the cheap, which is, sounds good to us. Um, we were also, which made me chuckle, linked with uh, the hottest young striking 
Uh, I forgot how to speak all of a sudden. That's not um, good on the podcast. I know, yeah. It does help if you can talk. What's the word I'm thinking for? When somebody Sensation, prodigy. Either of them will do. Neither of them were the words I was thinking of, but I could take any one of them. So there's four options you gave me. Okay, the young Italian wonder kid, even though I think he's about 25, by the name of Immobile. Oh, Immobile, yeah. Which really amused me because, uh, you know, as far as Immobile strikers go, we've already got a couple. Yeah. Uh, And we are being linked with uh, (laughs) the wrong uh, Dundee, apparently, as uh, having some kind of feeder club kind of deal you know yeah, it's, we've talked so far all season about being linked with all these players from Dundee United and Ryan, Ryan Gold John Sutar Robertson uh, so we've signed a youth deal now with Dundee United haven't we now with the other Dundee Crocodile Dundee yeah. Dundee, yeah. Dundee were, were not even in the top league yeah so that's right. a bit, bit of a shame there you go um, yeah that's it for the news did I miss anything else uh, I'm sure something will probably come to me in about 10 minutes when we're in the middle of the, the next yeah, section. generally does. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I think as you were talking about something then, something did pop into my mind, but it's gone again. Oh, well. Because I've got Alzheimer's. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's a new section, uh, and we are going to come back with a, quite a short uh, social media section in just a second. Here's our links. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, so we only did one question this week. I believe you had a few issues, uh, technical issues, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, basically I'm useless. Didn't you? Your computer kaputted. (laughs) And <laughs> just gave up. In the same week, my computer and my phone both decided to so die on me. You might have lo- uh, noticed a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, uh, well, a bit of an absence on our part on the social media on the social media front. So we've uh, we've only put one question out there, but our usual uh, views and uh, we haven't really had much out there this week. Um, but the question that we have got: uh, be it Champions League or Europa. Can we be competitive in Europe next season? Well, there's two questions, really. Uh, will it affect our league form? Uh, I'll start, just start off on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, Sean is at Spinksy9. Depends if we strength, strengthen the squad, because if we're playing Benfica on Thursday away, then Newcastle away Saturday. Well, it'd be Sunday, wouldn't it? We're effed. I'm not going to F-bomb today. Right, OK. Um, the first one for me, Nathan Platini. Um, you know... He starts off with what I think is a lot of people's views with regards to the Europa League. Uh, if it's a Champions League, then I don't mind. If it's Europa League, I'd rather send the under twenty ones. For the early rounds, yeah, you could do that. Do that, I suppose. Um, it does start getting competitive, though. We we have this. I mean, we'll have other people's views first, and then I'll have our have our own little say on this. We've I suppose we've done it a few times already, but just echoing echoing our thoughts really. Um, Andy E. 486 on Twitter. I uh, think it's all down to squad size and summer spending. So, yeah, that's pretty right, much okay. uh, Francis Quinn, possibly, but the way I see it is that it will open the door for players to get attracted to Everton all over Europe, especially with the money you get for being in the European competition. I mean, I, I think you, what you've got to look at it well is the fact that, you know, there's players we, we haven't seen this season, you know, Gibson, Kone, 
we've we've still got those players, and they'll be fifth for next season. So there is going to be more competition for the bench. And you know, you bring the, the likes of Shane Duffy back into the squad again. You're bolstering the squad without having any expenditure. You'll have Aviedo back. You've got Garver coming through. You've got uh, you, can Con- you can virtually put two teams out there. You've got Machelini. You? You've got Conor Grant. You've got Ty Browning sniffing around. You've exactly. still got Hibbo. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not that worried about squad. Squad depth, really. It's, it's, I suppose it's quality-wise. Apart from up front, I think our depth's quite good at the moment. I think there was there was the 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 interview with um, Roberto. Was, was it on goals on Sunday where he said about adding players in? And you know, we brought f- four players, four or five players in in the summer, and we've got like f- four or five more in uh, gradually as the season's gone on. You know, in the other window as well. So ten players in into the squad. There's only a handful gone out. So, you know. I think a lot of people are obviously worrying about the three players on loan going back, but as we discussed last week, you know, I think we'll have, you know, at least two of the three of those next season. So, it's one of them. I think Roberto did an interview this week as well where he said, you know, there's, there's players in our academy who are good enough to step up. So, he's looking to promote from within next season as well uh, to bolster the squad. So, I don't think squad size is really going to be much of a. I think. I worry, really. Let me just do this one. For, uh, blue, uh, at Blue Domash, uh, either will give us a boost. The key is Roberto will turn whatever situation into a positive. And, you know, that, that is, that's, you know, it's a good way of looking at it, the way Roberto does handle his situations. Um, I think somebody says on the, on, in the Facebook comment, uh, comments, though, uh, you want to see Howard starting. If you're going to be in the competition, if, if it is just Europa, you want to... Well, that's it. Take it serious, don't you? Especially if there's. Well, you, well, you just done a U turn because five minutes ago you were saying, yet yeah, you can play your under 21s in the, in the earlier rounds. Yeah, but, you know, once you're getting into playing, as the, as the lad says, playing Benfica and stuff in the quarterfinals, you don't want to be playing the under 21s then, do you? You want to be playing full strength then. So. True. Yeah. Uh, Billy Hughes starts off uh, glass half full and immediately goes glass half empty here. He said. Uh, Granada beat Barca last week, so anything can happen. And we definitely have the ability, to obviously, to get into Europe. And that good some we can beat anyone. And then he immediately switches it on and said, but Everton and Champions League usually ends in tears. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people's opinions seem to be, obviously, Champions League would be great because of the money. And then we talked about this before. Europa, you get about a million quid, don't you? And it's a lot of travelling. And... But... Some, uh, somebody, a few people pick up on the winner of next year's Europa League qualifies for the Champions qualifies, League so. so that's an excellent other way into it's a massive incentive and it's a big carrot on the end of the stick for us to take it more seriously the problem is uh, every other team in it are going to be taking it more seriously as well aren't they so hopefully it should turn it into a you know a really good competition uh, so your thoughts I mean you've got, do you want to share any more thoughts from Facebook uh, yeah, Mike Doyle, the only issue with the Europa League is the travelling. Some of the teams in it are at the arse end of Europe. It's not also the distances you're travelling sometimes. I mean, you, you look at a lot of the teams at the moment, you look like Ukraine and Russia. I mean, you don't, I don't no, fancy the white no. strip at the minute, do you, to Ukraine? Uh, you know, it could get a bit naughty, that really. So, uh, But that, that's what comes. That that's Partly that's the beauty of European football, isn't it? Going to these places, I mean... I think I'd rather go to somewhere a little bit mad that you've never been to before than go to, say, Scotland or somewhere, you know, yeah. where you, you could go on a weekly basis. I, I, 
that's for me one of the appeals of the Europa League is some of these crazy sides that you get thrown against that you've never even really heard of before. Yeah. Uh, Dan Emson's made two points so let's go with the second one here with regard to the, the original question yes we can be competitive but I think it will affect our league form and uh, I think th- this seems to be quite a popular opinion because of the situation you know, we talked about this before with, with the way Swansea uh, the way Swansea kind of uh, just went into free fall uh, in comparison to last season because of the you know, people are putting it down to their, um, their Europa run but we're not Swansea we're Everton we're a million times better than them. We co- coped well a few years ago when we had a decent enough run. League form didn't str- didn't really get hampered. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say, if you look at 22 seasons ago, they had a very highly rated Spanish manager who were funders in his first season. They basically signed an attacking midfielder who came from, you know relatively being a little bit of an unknown who took the season by storm uh, and was very influential for them and scored you know, very important goals. Uh, they then went into the Europa and have basically not been able to replicate that season. Sounds pretty similar to ourselves at the minute. No, it doesn't. We're the consistent top I'm six... Only, don't shoot me in, I'm just playing devil's advocate. We're the con- consistent top six side uh, who we need to be taking that next step into European football and if the Champions League comes to uh, you know if, if it is too soon for the Champions League then the next step is Europa you can't just you know we can't just say oh we don't want we don't want that we want it you've got to be testing testing yourself if we happen to finish fifth then so be it we're the fifth best team in the league fifth best team in the league goes into Europa League you can't and then you've got to compete against all the other teams who weren't quite good enough to get into the Champions League in all the other countries, haven't yet. That's where we are. I, we are I, where we're at. I fully agree. I, I think if you qualify for the competition, then you do your, your damnedest to win it, and you put out, you know, you do whatever you can do, and you take it seriously, and because that's that's the only way of keeping these competitions uh, with any integrity. There's a load of people on here on Facebook moaning saying Europa League, it's rubbish. No one takes it seriously. There's no prize money in it. Well, that's probably because of you know a lot of people's attitudes in it. That's why it's viewed that way. I think I've said this before. All the other European countries and all the other European sides seem to take it seriously. You know, you have a look at who's left in the last four this year, and I think it's like, isn't it like Juventus, Benfica, uh, Valencia, and Seville? So you know, four decent sides. That, that, that's that's a good set of teams. That really. If you, if you look at um, the way it, it's a stepping stone as well, if you look at like a few years ago when Porto won it and then went on to the Champions League final, we didn't do want to do won the Champions League the year after. I mean, even you look across the park, you look at the shite, and then you know they, when they they won it and then went on to flukily win the uh, well, the Champions League well, Chelsea, the season after. Chelsea, Chelsea won the Champions League, then they won the Europa, and now they're in the semi-finals of the Champions League again. So you know it's. It's it really is. It's it's not it's not a competition for no marks. It's a good competition. It's just the fact that you've got to get those initial uh, rounds out the way, which just and you know that the, the silly uh, league stages where you know it's it's not it's not as glamorous. You know you're playing as as one of our uh, you know social media people said, clubs at the arse end of nowhere. But 
you know, it's like your daily rounds of the FA Cup and the League Cup. You, you, you do play these teams, but... I'm looking done. forward to going to the arse end of nowhere next year. Yeah, you, you'll too. probably forget your tickets and your passport, like, and miss the plane, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there you go. Fingers crossed. Um, fingers crossed for Champions League. Fingers crossed going to be we, the Champions we, League. Uh, and we'll be going to the new camp and, you know, the Bernabeu and... San Siro and anywhere else. Don't forget, there's a very big, you know, very possible uh, possible danger. Even if we finish fourth, that we'll we'll have to play a qualifier and not even make it again. So don't say that. Don't no, say that. But you know that's that's the reality of it because it's going to be facing another no, another side who are equally as good as us. It's a possibility. So uh, if we're fifth in Europa, we're probably going to be in a good position where we we you know we don't have to play those uh, first and second rounds. So we come in at a decent stage. And then, you know... Whichever way it goes, let's embrace it. Let's embrace it and uh, enjoy whatever it brings to us. At the very least, it's more games to go and watch Everton. Yeah. It's a more chances to get out of the house, get down to go to some with the lads, and uh, or, or with your missus if you go to the match with your missus, uh, if you're crazy. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what we want. I'd watch Everton every day if we were playing. Yeah. So... Uh, but first of all, uh, we have to get the season out of the way, so um, we'll uh, have a look at the... Uh, Biggest game of the season so far. Well, <laughs> yeah. Every week we say it. Every yeah. week. The Man United visit to Goodison, we'll have a look at that after this little break. I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. Okay, so it's uh, time to look ahead to the visit of Manchester United to Goodison at the weekend. It's a game that well, I think it's fair to say we've been looking forward to all season, really, isn't it? Even before you know, we've sort of got ourselves in the position we're in at the moment in the league. Um, obviously, the return of David Moyes is something that we looked for as soon as the, the fixtures came out and, and on the calendar, and it was quite disappointing to see it was so close to the end of the season, really. I think it's a good job for him that it is, because uh, when the feeling was uh, a little bit more bitter towards him earlier on in the season, I think he, it could have been a completely different uh, atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was, we've spoke about this, but I, I was there at the, the game away at Old Trafford this season. Uh, you know, our best away performance, you would say, this season. Uh, without a doubt, uh, going to Old Trafford and winning for the first time in, in, a, in a long while, uh, and you know, I saw the sort of level of banter he was getting there uh, from three thousand Evertonians. So, from thirty-five thousand Evertonians, it should be interesting. Yeah, um, but you talked about that game uh, at Old Trafford. This is going to be uh, a very different, uh, a very different challenge, isn't it? Because Manchester it, United. It is because we went there with absolutely nothing to lose, and the shoe's completely on a different foot now. Well, also, um, if you look at it, 
day. Uh, you know, you, you might you, they might have been a bit of a laughing stock this season because uh, you know because they haven't, they haven't managed to hold a place in the Champions League places. But they are uh, by far the best away team in the league, aren't they? Yeah, a, a lot of people. You know, I, I've been speaking to a lot of people. I was speaking to people after the Crystal Palace game even this week, and they were saying, you know, all right, it'll be different against United. They're the teams we beat. We raise our team, uh, our game against these teams. United's a formality. It'll be easy. No chance. And, you know, they've been terrible this season. Well, they haven't been terrible. And he certainly haven't been terrible away from home. As you say there, the best away record in the league. Not Chelsea, not Liverpool, who were smashing everyone out of the sight. Not us, who were that hard to beat. Man United, they have the best away record. You know, away from the pressure of Old Trafford, they haven't got anything to lose, have they? They, they really haven't. So, you know, the, the pressure's all on Everton, I suppose. It, it really is, and you know, a Man United win, and we might not be looking at fifth. You know, it could be really, it uh, could set things up. Do you think? Well, you know, it would take a lot for us to miss out with our goal difference. I think it would take a lot for us not to finish fifth because I think we could afford to lose against City and United, and probably still finish fifth even with Tottenham winning both the games. Uh, United, it's going to take quite a bit of a swing, isn't it? Really, to, for us to be caught. Um, but ideally, we don't want to lose both those games, do we? So, um, you know, you look at United at the league in a minute. They've got they've not played for a while now, have they? Going back? No, over, um, we, t- we we talked about their away form, and it was uh, the last match was away, and it was a bit of a one side of the fifth of April uh, away to Newcastle, where they, they won four 0 come out four 0 winners. Which I, well, they, they they needed that rest, didn't they? Because they they had uh, they had Rooney playing uh, with, uh, through uh, with a, with a painkiller. Painkiller injection in the European game, didn't he? He did. So obviously in that game, he didn't have Rooney or Van Persie. He started off with Hernandez up front with uh, Juan Mata getting a, a start just in behind him, which is his uh, preferred position. And the number ten, which yeah. is why uh, Jose let him go, doesn't wasn't it? Because he, he he fancied his other number ten, and it, it paid off straight away because obviously Mata scored twice, uh, Chicharito scored as well. He set up one, he set up Yanazai's as well. He did, and then a bit of a consolation right at the death when Newcastle had gone to sleep for Yanazai as well to to leave them winning 4 0. And probably one of their better performances this season, you would say. Uh, Looking at the team they put out, um, you know, you you look at the teams they're putting out on paper at the moment, and you compare that to some of the Man United teams in the past. I mean, look at the back four Evra, Jones, Smallen, and Valencia. Now, you think of some of the Man United back fours in the past, you know, like so when he used to put out, like, Erwin, Bruce, uh, you know, Pallister and Neville, for instance, and, and then you look at that and, it, you know, yeah. that's, that's not a Man United quality back four, is it? Uh, so, Vidic, uh, it uh, doesn't look like he's uh, going to feature, I don't know, I mean, what's the situation on Vidic? I'm not sure, but I mean, what what is the point in now playing Vidic for the rest of the season? He's already decided he's going to Inter Milan. Surely you've got to start giving the the other lads a bit of a go, haven't you? He's if you the best centre back, isn't he? Still, he is Ferdinand still here. Obviously, would he? I mean, that'd be a massive sign of respect. I think if they went with Vidic and Ferdinand against us, um, I would expect to probably see Jones and Smallen or. Maybe one of them with one of the old guards, really. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you've got to fancy if Lukaku's on his game to bully Jones and Smalling if he's on his game, haven't you? I, I would have hoped, I would have thought we can get something out of them. We could definitely score. 
Um, again, we think Rooney's going to be back for this game, don't we? We've... Yeah, all the news this week is uh, Rooney is likely to play, or he's likely to be available for selection. Uh, Moyes isn't going to leave him out, though, if he's, if he's available, is he? Uh, I wouldn't have thought so, but then, do, do, you know, after Chikorito scored in the last game, do you want to do you want to take him out? He's the most... I don't do know, you want to move matters out to, out wide, maybe, and drop Rooney in? Could do. Uh, to midfield? I don't know is the answer, um, but obviously Matters seems to be the informed player at the moment. Uh, in the last game, he started Matters in the centre of a three with Young and Kagawa either side. Um, I've got no other choice at the moment really than to pick Matters as my man to watch. It he's completely the obvious man to watch, but he's clearly the informed player for them at the moment. Um, what I am hoping for as well is the fact that usually when I pick a man to watch, they don't start. They start on the bench, so I'm actually trying to jinx Matter into being on the bench. Can't you pick Matter, Fellaini, Rooney and Loads as your man to watch? Are you really worried if Fellaini starts at the moment? Come on, he's, got to, he's, he's going to be able to prove something, isn't he? I think he's been awful so far this season for them, and I'm probably now jinxing us, aren't I, with some bad luck, but... Um, I wouldn't be too worried if Fellaini played. I think he looks totally out of depth, saying that they anchor roll in the field for them. Yeah, the, the, uh, the Man United fans seem to speak very highly of Kagawa, and they seem to think that their fortunes earlier on in the season were down to Moyes not giving Kagawa a run. I think he's just one of those players who's being played out of position. The, the problem with Man United is they've got Rooney, Janazai, Kagawa and Mata who all want to play that number 10 role. Yeah. Um, you can't play four players in that number 10 role as Everton now because we've got about four players who want to play there as well Yeah. so um, we'll have to wait and see won't we? we'll have to wait and see what sort of, what sort of team he puts out um, with regards to you saying that you know we've got four players competing for that number 10 role who's going to take it? <laughs> I've given I've Completely given up trying to guess what what well, team's actually going to be. Let's do the easy part again. We, we, we you've know, got you've we, got to go Barry and McCarthy. You yeah, can't so mess about with that again. Yeah, no. So we know that's going to. Well, we're, we're assuming that's going to happen. McCarthy is said to be fit for this game. It's going to be the same defence uh, and goalkeeper. It's going to be Lukaku up top. So it's, it's the same same dilemma we have every week. But should it should be a little bit clearer this week because Delafeu just didn't really perform when given a chance. Naismith came on and scored again. Barkley, he'll probably get a, get an opportunity. Oh, yeah. I I would probably start with Osman Naismith at Manalas. I think he will start with Barkley, Naismith. Ah no, I'm stuck now because um, I'm thinking Manalas on one wing, and I don't think he's going to put Naismith on the wing. So you I, I, I need to balance it out, Osman. I think he'll go with Osman. That, that's why I chose Osman, just for a bit of balance. So, uh, you know, and Osman and Baines on the day do have a little bit of an understanding and link up if you play Osman sort of heading out towards the left. So, again, <laughs> we've struggled, you know, trying to decipher who the team's going to be all week. I do think we've got enough to beat them. I think, you know, as we've said before, the Goodison crowd's going to be incredibly important in this game. We need to get a positive attitude going. We need to get a, a Good atmosphere going. Um, let's not make it all about David Moyes. Let's make it about Everton and let's make it about our push for the Champions League. Um, if we play ninety percent of what we did against Arsenal, we'll destroy them. Yeah, I just I hope 
you know, we'll have a little bit of a sing-song, as we said earlier on in, in the show. I mean, obviously, YouTube listeners won't know what we're going on about. Yeah, but I'd rather it be 60 grand, 60 grand, Seamus Coleman, than stuck with Moyes, stuck with Moyes Man United. Because if, if we're singing about Seamus Coleman, then it means he's doing something good. I'm fairly saying if we go 1-0 up, then stuck with Moyes will be the loudest song you'll hear all day. Um, but let's not sing that until we've got a right to sing it. You know, let's not give them any edge at all by... Know, egging them on in any way. It's uh, difficult to say playing football negative away when they're just on off the back of a four 0 away win, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, you know, and we all knew it was going to take him a bit of time because who was it who's come out today? And I was in, I think it's Big Nev, isn't it? Big Nev has come out and uh, in in I think very classy terms, Big Nev style. Big Nev style, as apparently I don't know. I just saw this on the news now ticker, so I don't know whether this is a direct quote, but it's. Um, it's something that I, I, I completely agree with. Uh, David Moyes has been given a shitty stick with that Man United job. He has been handed a shitty stick. Um, and uh, you know what? I, I don't know whether we've, we talked about this when we were doing the other feature. I really think he did kind of get dropped in it a little bit and he got a bit of a raw deal with, when, when uh, Ferguson stepped down and, and you know basically handpicked him to succeed him with a very, very ordinary, ordinary side that won the league. But a year on. Yeah, he did. But at the end of the day, it was his choice to go, wasn't it? So he knew what he was taking on board. And now he's got to live with his decision. And yeah, I'm sure he will. Ferguson was very, very, uh, very smart in stepping down at that time. Because, of course he was. Yeah. You know, that time, you know, it was, uh, let's say, aging squad. You know, we talked about Vidic. We talked well, you know, talk about uh, Ferdinand. You've hardly kicked the ball between them this season. You've got everyone who's on his way out. Uh, you know, how do you replace those players in a summer? Of course. Let's not make this all about Moyes, though. Let's remember that we haven't looked back at all since the day he left and we found our Bobby. And, you know, I'm just hoping that the, the pro Roberto Martinez songs are louder than the anti David Moyes songs. I hope that's, so. That, to me, that's the ultimate sort of giving, him the, giving Moyes the finger a bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we show that, you know, we we we're now better without him, uh, then that, that's the it's ultimate like, way. It's, it's like, in a way, it's like showing him you got dumped by a by your bird, but then you go out and get a supermodel, a fit bird with better shoes. <laughs> yeah, with better brown shoes. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and you know, something that we haven't touched on on the, on the podcast this week. Uh, no mean feat. We've broke our Premier League um, to- uh, total points haul. Ho- Robbie's got more points this season than the Moyes ever did. Yeah, um, and well, any other Everton manager has. It's, it's our record uh, haul of, of, of total of points, and there's still four games left. So, you know, there was doubters on Roberto. Nobody's a doubter now. We had a poor performance midweek. Poor performance last week, but managed to three points. But Roberto is doing an outstanding job. Let's make it about Roberto. Let's make it about Everton. You know who cares about David Moyes? He's he's had, he's had a bit of a failure in his first season, but let's keep our Champions League dream alive and do it. Right, boys. it's time for my prediction. Uh, somebody came on our Facebook page this week and said uh, we asked for a bit of feedback on the podcast, and some lad said it's good. But who's that lad who always says we're going to get beat in the predictions? Um, well, that will be me. However, I think I've only actually predicted we get beat about three or four, three times maybe this season. So, 
I don't always predict us to get beat. I just try and go wherever my gut feeling is. And my gut feeling this week, you'll be happy to know, is I think we'll win 2 now. Well, I've got to say you'd have that. Um, I mean, 2 0. You know, topping even the 1 0 when Avio scored, it would just go off. And a great place to be, Goodison, when there was a. It's a big Sunday, really, isn't it? The whole thing. You know, there's something like five. Well, across, the telly, there's three games on a Sunday where the latest game, 10 past four kickoff, which is a bit bizarre just to fit us in for TV. Um, and then there's a game on the Monday night as well. So in the space of 24 hours or just over 24 hours on TV, you've got Liverpool, Arsenal, City, ourselves, United, everyone all playing Chelsea all across the, the, the two days. So it should be a, a bit of an interesting Should weekend. we get time to play as early, do you reckon? And watch about nine hours of football? I think that's going to be definitely be on the cards. I'm playing myself Sunday morning, so I'll be uh, getting changed as quick as I can and, and getting out to watch the football. Uh, fingers crossed Arsenal get beat. Yeah, well, well I mean, just uh, for, uh, for non-Everton reasons, we hope Norwich can uh, do something that they haven't managed to do for a good few seasons, and that's uh, halt Liverpool. And uh, they just seem to... Uh, they, they seem Suarez, every time he plays, against him gets an aspect, doesn't he? He does, yeah, but who's Norwich manager now? Oh, Neil Adams there? Eh? Exactly. Come on, Neil. He's got to have a little... He, he can't like the shake, can he? Let's face it. No, let's... Yeah. So, uh, if I had to put money on Norwich beating Liverpool, there's not a chance I'd do it in a million years. Um, but so we need somebody to beat them because this is getting scary now. Yeah, so we want Norwich to win. We want Arsenal to slip up. We want the Mighty Blues to take all three. And that'll be a nice, uh, nice way to end what has been uh, a, a, a hit and miss week. It's an interesting game for, for Arsenal, isn't it? Playing Hull, it's a bit of a sort of precursor to the, the FA Cup final. But Jelovic can play. Jelovic. Jelovic Atrich. Oh, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, that's about it for another podcast. Uh, just coming up to an hour and a half. I want to say thanks again for everyone to listening. Uh, to listening. To listening. Yeah. Did you go, Did you suddenly come from Wigan for a minute? Tit yeah. listening. Yeah. Thanks for tit listening to Tit Rugby Podcast. Yeah. Um... If you listen on SoundCloud, check us out on iTunes, just subscribe on there, and it goes automatically to your device on Thursdays, although we are a day late today. We are a day late. Unfortunately. Um, and YouTube as well, check us out on there. We gave you all the links earlier on. Go and follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and we generally get back to when we can. So We try, you unless you're an idiot and we just ignore you. Yeah. Now, we even respond to the idiots most of the time, don't we? It's only copyright we try to ignore. I've had to block so many this week. I keep They've been all over it. They don't like anybody criticising Stephen Gerrard, do they? Have you noticed? You no, know, I just I, I wonder why they keep spelling yawn wrong. And I, I don't get it myself. Anyway, leave you leave you to work that one out. Later, blues. <laughs>